Hi, and welcome to another Cyber Podcast episode. I'm your host, Christoph Limpler, and in this episode, Kostas joins us to talk about AWS security. Now, Kostas is the co-author of Cyber's Introduction to AWS Security Course, where we explain and teach how to get started with securing personal or business AWS environments. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation about common issues that we see when we're working with organizations, and we're also going to talk about what's hot in the AWS security job market right now and how beginners can get started with learning about cloud security. So I'm really excited to have him on the show, and Kostas, thanks so much for joining us today. It's really great to have you here. Very nice to, to be here as well, Christoph. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to, first of all, having worked with you on this amazing course and then also being in this podcast. So yeah, thank you. I know it's been a few months of, of work in progress and we've gone back and forth a lot. So it's, it's always great to reconnect. But I'm going to start with an oddball question here because I know I've asked you this before. It's just a little bit of a challenge for me. How do you pronounce your full name? I know I call you Kostas, but that's a nickname, right? How do you say your entire name? Yeah, so it's my big fat Greek name, I guess. It's a Konstantinos Papapanagiotou, but I really don't expect anyone to be able to pronounce that. <laughs> Konstantinos, the first part is okay. I think the last name is, is where I fall apart. So I'll stick to Kostas for now, but thank you. I appreciate you pronouncing that for us. Uh, let, let's start with a little bit about your background. I'd love to hear what you're currently doing and, and working on in IT. Yeah, sure. So I am a cybersecurity consultant. Nowadays, I focus a lot on application security and cloud security. Uh, practically, I've been an, a cybersecurity consultant throughout my professional career. I've been doing that for almost 20 years now. Uh, started uh, off doing um, some research work at the university. I did a PhD on uh, information security. That was a long time ago. And then I started working as a consultant. I've done various uh, things in cybersecurity, started off with a little pen testing, then switched to a more uh, consulting um, uh, role, uh, doing uh, compliance uh, projects, data loss prevention projects. Uh, and then I, um, I started working a lot into application security, uh, mainly things that have to do with uh, strategy, creating an application security program, uh, threat modeling, security design, and so on. And uh, nowadays, actually, for the past uh, two or three years, I've been uh, heavily working into cloud security. Uh, I mean, everyone is moving to the cloud. Everyone is uh, taking advantage of uh, all the nice things that uh, the cloud brings us. And of course, there are a lot of security issues involved. So I'm trying to help organizations. Uh, I'm based in Greece, but not just in Greece. Uh, I help organizations all over Europe, the Middle East, the US. Um, improve their security posture in the cloud and in their applications. And uh, of course, I'm also doing teaching. Teaching is my passion. So I started teaching back at the university. I was teaching students at that time. I still do that, by the way. I still teach at the University of Athens, uh, a postgraduate course. But uh, mostly I teach professionals nowadays on topics uh, that have to do again with uh, cloud security, uh, Kubernetes and Docker. Uh, application security as well, uh, application security vulnerabilities and so on. So yeah, this is what I've been doing. I know you're also involved with the OWASP organization. I don't know if you still are or not, but I know at some point you were an OWASP chapter leader in Greece. So are, are you still involved with that? And and what is that? What do you do there? How does that work? Yeah, so I am, I'm still involved with uh, OWASP. I'm no longer leading the Greek chapter. The Greek chapter is actually dormant right now. We are uh, in desperate need of uh, volunteers to help things out. Uh, but but I, I was leading the, the Greek chapter for, I think, 15 years. 
Uh, we did some great things there, organized the, the European conference, and uh, I was also involved in some projects. Uh, I am still involved with OWASP in the sense that I am doing some uh, trainings at the, the OWASP conferences. I am also involved in the Google Summer of Code project uh, on behalf of uh, OWASP, which is a great opportunity for students and developers to contribute to open source projects. Yeah, absolutely. For, th for those listening who aren't super familiar with, with OWASP, it's a nonprofit organization around the world that has all kinds of different resources, and they got pretty famous for their, their OWASP top 10 resources, like the OWASP top 10 web vulnerabilities. You can go in there and, and get tips and tricks on how to prevent them and, and so on. And it's not just for web, it's also for cloud, for containers, for APIs and mobile and, and even more. Uh, so I'm not doing it justice here. Definitely check out their website for a lot more information. But there's these chapters all over the world. And I know Kostas was involved with, with one for, like you said, 15 years, which is quite a long time. So anyway, moving forward, I know you just mentioned that you're working with organizations across the world in different regions, and you're helping them with securing their AWS environments, architecting their AWS environments, and so on. What would you say are some of the main issues that you typically see or have been seeing, especially lately, when it comes to securing AWS environments or just general struggles that people and organizations seem to have? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been a long time into cybersecurity. So uh, I think that we are witnessing cycles in cybersecurity. So we, you know, we started off with uh, the, the mainframes that was back in the 80s, and then we moved to, to Windows and then virtual machines. And now we have the cloud. And um, I think that we are uh, seeing again and again pretty much the same security issues. And uh, it, it can be quite frustrating because it, it may look like we're not learning from the past, but that's not actually it. The, the main issue is that technology is changing so quickly and it's hard for us to adapt. So uh, I think the biggest challenge that I'm witnessing right now in the cloud is that everyone is rushing to do things in the cloud, to you know, move infrastructure to the cloud, deploy applications to the cloud. And they want to do it fast because you know, that's what the cloud is all about, uh, enabling you to deploy quickly and um, expand your infrastructure and scale and so on. So everyone is trying to do that really quickly. And guess what? They forget about cybersecurity or they don't pay enough attention. They try to do things fast. As a matter of fact, AWS gives you a lot of tools to help you do that, uh, but you still need to, to take care of uh, cybersecurity. And uh, if you don't, you will start running into problems. And when I'm saying problems, is not just uh, uh, cybersecurity incidents and breaches. Uh, it's also the fact that if you start expanding in the cloud, which will most definitely happen, uh, it, it becomes very hard to maintain uh, your cybersecurity posture, to maintain everything that you have built. For example, I've seen uh, organizations starting with a small uh, VPC, a couple of security groups to manage that and to manage the incoming and outgoing traffic and so on. And uh, then, you know, they had another VPC, different security groups, and uh, very quickly they end up having like 200 different security groups, most of them doing the same things with just different names. Uh, you know, different persons coming in as uh, DevOps engineers or administrators, adding their own security groups. Uh, because, you know, they need to do it quickly and they do not bother to see what has been done in the past, what security groups are available there. Um, so at the end of the day, when you go and review this, you see 200 security groups for just a VPC that has 50 VMs, for example. 
And uh, this can create a very big management issue and it can also lead to security issues because, uh, you know, it's very hard to understand what's going on. It's very hard to understand what security groups are active, which traffic is actually coming in, what do you allow, what you don't allow. So I think this is the biggest challenge. I mean, that the, cl the cloud is expanding very quickly and organizations are adopting the cloud in a very fast manner uh, and cybersecurity is not going along in that speed. The same thing I've seen happen so easily with IAM, IAM policies, roles, things like that, where you start off with something very simple, very locked down, you're following the principles of least privilege, and then all of a sudden you have to deploy all these other resources or you're onboarding 10 to 15 engineers at one time and you start moving quickly and you start making mistakes and then you end up having vulnerabilities in your IAM policies that can be leveraged by, by threat actors to, to get into your environments and then expand from there. So that's that's another struggle that I've heard customers mention before. Another one, I was talking to a customer yesterday, actually, and they work in, in IT consulting and services. And one of the issues they see their customers having frequently lately is understanding how to manage their, their keys. So as an example, in, in the course, we talk about AWS KMS, which is AWS's key management service. And so it's it's one thing to create the key and then to rotate the key on a on a certain schedule, but it's another thing to also be able to ingest that key into your application and use it for whatever purpose you're trying to use it for. Like, what are the best practices around that? How do you do that securely and effectively at such a massive scale when you have so many different moving parts and and uh, so much infrastructure that you're constantly changing over time? So those are a couple of, of other areas that I've also seen some issues or, or recently talked about, and so it's fresh on my mind. But Moving along from a slightly different angle here, Costas, what are some areas that you're seeing growth in, not necessarily just in terms of issues that organizations are, are currently seeing, but are there areas where people who are listening should focus on learning for potential higher earning potential today or in the next six to 12 months because those skills are in very high demand today as they relate to AWS security? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Kubernetes is uh, one of these uh, technologies. I see more and more organizations embracing Kubernetes and using Docker and uh, containers to deploy everything. I mean, it makes things so easy and so you, uh, you have all this flexibility. Uh, so, for example, uh, all the managed Kubernetes services in the cloud uh, are very hot right now. Amazon EKS is extremely hot and uh, it's also very... Uh, challenging to configure in terms of cybersecurity. You know, you need to configure our back over there, make sure that containers are isolated. If you want to communicate, if you want to have uh, containers communicate among them, you need to make sure that this happens in a secure way. Um, so this is a very, very hot field right now and very challenging at the same time. And uh, another area has to do with uh, automation and CI/CD pipelines and how you uh, can uh, automate uh, uh, deployment and uh, also security testing uh, in the cloud. That's also a very hot topic. And, you know, there are a lot of uh, open source security testing tools out there that can be integrated into a, uh, an AWS pipeline, for example. So this is another area that uh, I would, it's, it's very interesting and very hot right now. I mean, to have the skills and be able to create a security testing pipeline in the cloud and in AWS. It's so important to be able to say, all right, we need to add more security tooling, but without making that tooling slow everything down or frustrate everybody on the team, which just ends up being counterproductive and then people will, will build things around it instead of actually using it. So how do we add that to our CI CD pipelines in a way that actually helps the team, not hinders the team or, or slows things down too much? 
And, uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of uh, very high quality open source tools out there, like the OWASP Zap, uh, which can, you, you can use that to do uh, dynamic application security testing. And uh, I know that there are a lot of uh, teams in organizations out there that use their, these open source tools. And uh, this is also a great uh, opportunity for uh, everyone out there, all the uh, professionals or even the students that want to get involved into cybersecurity. Uh, because all that is for free. I mean, you can uh, download Zap, you can uh, read all the documentation online, online, there are guidelines, there are videos that can help you out. And uh, you can play with uh, Zap and AWS on your own without having to, to pay anything. And uh, familiarize yourself with uh, how you can integrate Zap uh, into AWS and, uh, you know, in, uh, embedded in a pipeline or uh, use it to, to scan your, uh, your software and so on. So even if you are just a student or if you are in a DevSecOps team and you are looking for a DAS tool, you don't need to go necessarily to the large vendors. You can use open source tools and it's actually also very easy to integrate those with uh, AWS. And the issue is sometimes there are so many amazing options that you can get an analysis paralysis because it's like, well, all these look great. Which one's the best the best option for us, right? So going out there and doing your research, but also testing things out and see what fits best for, for your specific use case. But so move, moving along now that we've talked about some of the, the main issues or, or struggles and then some of the, the, um, the fastest growing areas that people may want to focus on learning, what would you say are, are some emerging trends or threats that we're seeing right now in the realm of, of AWS security that maybe organizations should be more on the lookout today and, and how they can stay ahead of, of those threats. And I'll start with one that we've been seeing for a few years now, and we're still continuing to see, and that is crypto mining, right? So being able to maybe find a vulnerability in an IAM policy, being able to hijack an EC2 instance or, or even containers for that matter, and going in and actually running crypto mining on those resources so that the the threat actor is not paying any bills for 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 that mining which can be very expensive in fact it could be cost prohibitive but if you're not footing that bill if you're not paying for it then at that point you're just printing free money so that is an issue that we're still seeing today what would you say are some of the other issues that we're we're actively seeing yeah i mean you're absolutely right crypto mining is huge especially with um, uh, containers um, and uh, it's also very easy to lose track of what's going on in your containers. So one uh, container that uh, is doing crypto mining might get uh, uh, might go unnoticed, and as you said, you will end up paying a, a huge bill to AWS and then wondering why this has happened. But uh, yeah, apart from those uh, issues, that uh, I think uh, these issues come down to misconfigurations and hardening your AWS console which is something that uh, many people don't take uh, good care of. Again, because you're in a rush to deploy everything and uh, you forget about uh, safeguarding uh, your most precious asset in AWS, which is your AWS console. And there are many things that you can do there as a best practice, like um, make sure who has uh, access to your console, who has root access or root level access, take uh, care of your privileged access users, monitor what they're doing, make sure you don't have too many of those, you don't need too many high privileged users and uh, and so on. But yeah, anyway, apart from that, I think uh, there's a huge issue with uh, data protection. Uh, we are still seeing a lot of data breaches that uh, are related to S3 buckets that uh, uh, have become public while they shouldn't have been. 
And again, this is an issue of misconfiguration. I mean, you have a, a, an S3 bucket that contains uh, sensitive information and by accident, someone makes it public. And then, you know, uh, everyone can see that. Uh, it might even be uh, indexed by Google and then it will come out to people's uh, Google search results. And yeah, this can be quite a disaster. But uh, apart from that, uh, data protection in AWS is a huge issue and um, it's not uh, just about encryption, it's also about access control and as you said in the beginning about KMS, about managing the keys, which is probably the hardest but also the most critical part when it comes down to cryptography. And that's why as we were designing this course, we, we really sat down and consciously thought through well, what do we need to cover in this? So obviously, it's an introductory level course. We can't cover 50 hours worth of content. We have to be very deliberate about what we include, but more importantly, what we leave out of this course. And we, we came up with four core sections, which are infrastructure security, identity and access management, data protection, Amazon S3 protection, and then logging and monitoring. And I know you were summarizing a lot of that just now, but it, it's really looking at it from that perspective of, okay, the cloud has a lot going on in it. This can easily be very overwhelming, but at the end of the day, it typically comes down to those five core sections. And so as we start to wrap up here with the episode, Costas, because we could spend hours talking about this and maybe we can del delve into that a little bit more in a future episode. But for now, if somebody's listening and they want to start learning and diving into cloud security whether they come from no IT background or maybe they come from a different focus in IT and they're making that transition, how would you recommend that they get started? Like we just talked about a lot of different topics, which could easily be overwhelming. What should they focus on doing one step at a time? Well, I, I think that the, the first and the probably most important uh, thing here is to understand how you can deploy infrastructure securely in AWS. So this would be the... Uh, the first section of our training, which is probably also the, the largest one. Um, I mean, it's, uh, people are used to deploying infrastructure, maybe uh, in a data center or at home or in a virtual machine setting. Uh, things are quite similar in AWS, but they're also quite different. Uh, so I would suggest to start from there, uh, become familiarized with the tools that AWS gives you for security, like security groups, NACLs, uh, the um, uh, the firewall, understand what their differences are, how you can build a defense in depth uh, protection mechanism in AWS, uh, how to use um, uh, private endpoints, for example, and um, generally speaking, how to build your infrastructure securely. Uh, once you've done that, I think this is the one of the hardest uh, parts to, to begin with, uh, but also the most important one, and uh, actually one of the most, one of the biggest issues I still see in organizations out there, uh, that they don't have a concrete strategy on how they are deploying their infrastructure in uh, AWS. So yeah, I'd say that this is the, the most important topic. Perfect, thank you. Well, let's move on to the quick fire round, which is the way that we wrap up on the show. I just ask you a, a quick question, just give me a short answer back, and we'll start with what are some of your hobbies outside of work, outside of cybersecurity? Uh, I am a wine uh, taster. I'm into wine tasting uh, quite a lot, also into wine and food pairing, gastronomy. So it might sound the wrong way, but I like to drink wine and eat. <laughs> Always responsibly, I though. 
I, I love it. And I did not know that about you. And now that I know that about you, I'm going to have to bother you a lot about this because I'm also big into wines being French. And so, yeah, you and I are going to have to connect about that after this. So I'm glad I asked that question. The second question is, what's one of your favorite books or movies or podcasts that doesn't even have to be related to IT? Like, what are some things that you'd like to go back to? Well, I'm a big fan of the Star Wars uh, movies. I mean, all of them. I uh, started off with the first three back when I was a kid. I was very fascinated by them at that time. And uh, frankly, I still am. Um, I also read quite a lot of books, but uh, most of them are nonfiction. Um, a lot of books that have to do with uh, psychology and um, um, uh, you know, popular medicine, let's say, uh, those kinds of books. And uh, when it comes to podcasts, I really enjoy your podcast, and I also enjoy the the OWASP podcast. Some a couple of really nice podcasts that I strongly recommend. Very cool. And then, in your opinion, what's what's one area that we're currently missing the mark, whether it's organizations or society, when it comes to cybersecurity? Uh, I think that what we are witnessing these uh, days and the, in the coming years is that everything is becoming software. I mean, you know, look at cars, uh, consumer electronics, everything is connected to Wi-Fi and everything has software running in it. And guess what? Uh, it's not 100% secure. There are vulnerabilities out there. And these vulnerabilities uh, will become quite critical in the coming years because we're talking about critical infrastructure here. Our, our car is a critical infrastructure. If something goes wrong, we might run into an accident. So I think we're not paying en enough attention there, but uh, it, it will come in the next couple of years. It will definitely come. That will not be a pretty day when something like that happens, let me tell you. So that's a really good point. Now, if, if people want to follow up with you, how can they connect and reach out? Uh, I think the, the easiest way is in uh, in your Discord uh, channel. I'm uh, I'm there as a K Papa Pan. Uh, you know, you can tell that it's me th by the many pa p a p a p a, and uh, <laughs> also on uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, start chatting. And I always follow my messages on LinkedIn. I, I try to reply as soon as possible. Kostas, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And thanks everybody for tuning in to this episode. Please do reach out to Kostas on LinkedIn or on the Discord channel and give him a big thank you for, for sharing his time with us today and sharing his expertise on the podcast. So thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next time.